This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You looking to sell your home? At realestateagentsitrust.com, our goal is to ease the stress of home selling by helping you sell your home as quickly as possible at the best price possible. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I want to thank you. In just the last few months, thousands of Blaze Radio listeners just like you have contacted our agents. So if you're thinking of selling your home or if you want help buying a home, go to realestateagentsitrust.com and let our individually selected agents earn your business. realestateagentsitrust.com phone number it's uh, pat and stew pat is uh, back at that burger place he goes to when he gets sick uh having a couple more chili dogs so that should work out Just pretty well a shot. he might not get sick this time yeah this, this is this could be the time that he doesn't get sick. Take a shot. <laughs> so uh we just came off of obviously three hours sort of uh talking about largely the sarah palin announcement that she's endorsing donald trump did i come off as a little agitated at, at, did you get any sense of that i got a vibe that you were well, disheartened. Okay. Disheartened. Oh, that's better. Uh, <laughs> that's better than it, what, what it felt like. <laughs> I just, you know, it's tough. I uh, take if it. you haven't uh, heard the news, I'm sure you probably have. Sarah Palin has officially endorsed Donald Trump. Someone just uh, tweeted in just a minute ago to at Pat and Stu, and we always appreciate you doing that. Uh, while Cruz uh, handled the Palin endorsement with class, because he did, uh, imagine what Trump would have said had Sarah Palin endorsed Cruz. Oh, my gosh. Imagine. She would have been worthless, irrelevant, trash, bleeding from orifices. You know God it. only knows what, what, what he would have said about her. She's not looking that good these days anyway. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. All of it. Oh, yeah. All of All it. All of it would have been out there. It's a great point. Uh, now, of course, Sarah Palin did endorse Ted Cruz uh, back in uh, 2012 uh, for Senate. And um, really, it was kind of interesting. Uh, she... I don't know. Like, she almost came out as antagonistic to Cruz. Now, it's one thing to say, because she said earlier she liked Trump and Cruz. Right. Now, it's, and I don't right. understand that. I don't understand how you like both of them, because they're nowhere near each other policy-wise. But, okay, you like Trump and Cruz. So when you endorse Trump, why would you say crappy stuff about Cruz? Like, for example, like, I mean, I've seen this all over the Internet, that Glenn is going to induce te- or endorse Ted Cruz. Right. Now, obviously, he likes Ted Cruz best. I've not, seen, I've not heard from him yet. He's officially going to endorse Ted Cruz, although he may have told somebody else. I don't know. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, we would trash Marco Rubio because we endorsed Ted Cruz. Right. Like if Glenn comes right. out and says he's not going to go on stage and say, yeah, you know what, Mark, but Marco Rubio sucks and and Rand Paul sucks. Like if you still like a candidate, you don't trash the other candidate. It's a bizarre thing. And, and I think what we kind of got down to here is it's not about policy. It's not about policy. No, it's about no, political change. games. Yeah. And look. 
Are we, are we for Ted Cruz? Absolutely. Do we do we need to endorse him to be for Ted Cruz? No. It's the primaries. You're supposed to. Now's the time to choose. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what we're doing. That's the whole point of this. Right. But the point isn't to uh, just trash everybody else. And in the beginning, I think uh, there were so many people and so many candidates that it felt like you just had to trash everybody. And then it slowed down for a while. It was like, oh, okay, well, everybody's kind of getting along. And now that it's gotten the smaller, yeah. it's starting to think, well, we now we need to start tearing into each other again. Yeah, I mean, I think you... Why? Right. I think, like, when you come... And I, to give Donald Trump a break, which I know I'm not known for what? as the ringleader, uh, to give him a slight break, at some point, you have to stop being super cute with the other candidates because... You know, you have to draw your lines. You have to say, I'm better than this person because. If right. you don't say that, no one's going to say it. The other guy's not going to say it for you. So I understand that you have to say that. My uh, big problem was the way Donald Trump's handling this, and I'm not alone on this one. Like, I, right. you know, along with Glenn and Pat and you, we've talked a lot about Donald Trump and, and wrecked him on policy, and a lot of shows have not been talking about that. But when it comes down to the way he's handling Ted Cruz, every show, I mean, Rush, Hannity, Levin, I've heard every show take a shot at the way Donald Trump is handling this. It's not about if he was born in Canada or not. That's absurd. We all know that has nothing to Come do on with now. it. We all, I mean, Donald Trump is out there um, praising ethanol subsidies and saying we need more of them. That is not a conservative position. And by any, any way to imagine conservatism, taking the government's money and more of it than we currently do, and giving it to farmers so they can grow corn so we can burn it in our gas tanks is not, there's no market behind that. That's not a free market principle in any way. Um, and, you know, the fact that he's doing it is, is really, I mean, it's shameful if you're a conservative to right. support a guy who's doing that. And, you know, Mark Levin was out there, I mean, hammering him over this uh, yesterday. Look, look, and one of the reasons that they're hammering Trump, and, and which is good, is that Cruz has handled it great. Right? Yeah. I mean, everybody, and everybody says so. Look, Ted has handled it great. He doesn't badmouth them. He says, this is what I believe. You know, okay, that's great. He, you know, I'm not going to go into that debate. Mm -hmm. This is what I believe, which is holding up to the everybody's number two, right? So, I mean, mm -hmm. that's important. We've gone down, you know, the percentages and, you know, how important it is to be everybody's number two in the end when they start dropping off, which is good. And you kind of get that with, you know, with Donald bad-mouthing and people now are saying, Don, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, I knew he was a bad guy. I knew it. I kept saying, oh, what, what are you doing, Ted? Come on. Mm -hmm. Shut up. Yeah. I mean, it, this is the one thing that has Ugh. seemingly created some momentum against Trump, which is, look, we all know people can look at Ted Cruz and say a lot of things about him. I, you know, there is an electability argument to be made against Ted Cruz. I don't happen to... To believe it, but a lot of people would say, you know what, Marco Rubio is much more electable than Ted Cruz, and I can understand that argument. Sure. And if you want to vote that way, you can vote that way. Donald Trump has neither the policy or the electability. He's actually the worst <laughs> of both worlds, and this is why you know you said earlier, like, well, you know, a lot of people were bashing each other, and we spent, and I mean, in particular, I don't mean to lump you in on this, but it's, it's like. I've spent plenty of time going over uh, Donald Trump and bashing his policies, and I will continue to do that. I think that's important because we actually have choices here. I mean, this is, this is not the choice. We're not at the point where it's Trump versus Clinton. If we get to that point, I will understand your arguments. I won't agree with them, oh but I will understand them. That's um, a frightening I, thought. Right. I mean, like, well, I mean, look, I don't, I don't think that's, that's going to happen still. But, I mean, the closer we get, we're only two weeks away.
only two weeks away from this primary. And at some point, uh, you know, he's going to, I mean, he's already a front runner. He's already I know. Favorite. We talked Vegas about it on, is calling him We talked favorite. a little bit about it on the radio show. Uh, uh, this is, you know, I kind of think this helps him a lot. I know that, you know, a lot of people think that it, you know, might work in the opposite direction. But in Iowa, maybe nowhere else. But because Sarah has really fallen from grace with most of yeah, she's the general America that was all in love with her a few years ago. Yes. Um, but in Iowa with Don, I don't know. I think it helps. I think it helps, too, because the people who like Sarah Palin, the people who are left, uh, were probably either in the Trump bandwagon because they like the sort of outspokenness and populism right. of Sarah Palin, or they were in the Cruz band, or maybe, I don't know, maybe Rubio, I don't know, but more the Cruz bandwagon of, you know, because she was seen as this hardcore conservative, which she was not. I mean, no, plainly, she, she was not. I mean, but it's like, you know, here's a woman who came out and called for an end, not to ethanol subsidies, but to all energy subsidies. She campaigned for an end to all energy uh, subsidies, and now she's endorsing a candidate who wants to up the ethanol subsidy. <laughs> I mean, it's so blatantly, like, she doesn't, she's not even considering the policy here. No. Um, and, you know, I get it. I, you know, I, I understand. And I was very frustrated on the air, uh, obviously, on the radio show. And I, because I like Sarah Palin. I've always liked her from the moment she came on the sort of national scene, uh, even before that. Um, I remember reading a, a story in National Review um, maybe six months before she was uh, named vice presidential uh, nominee for John McCain. And, and it was praising her record and saying how personable she was and likable she was. And this is long before she was on the national radar. Right. Um, Glenn had her on long before she was on the national radar. We, I've always liked Sarah Palin, and I've defended her. And I think to my own, my own uh, it's my own fault on that. Like, I, I, you get into those points sometimes, and I think this happens to all of us. <laughs> Um, and I, I say it happens to all of us so I can feel less bad about my own failings. Uh, but it's like, you know, it happens to all of you when you, when you get into something and you, and you believe something and, and you defend somebody on something, and it's hard to leave that position. Sure I think that's what's happening with a lot of Trump people right now. A lot of Trump people said, you know what, this is a businessman. He's a tough talker. He's a great guy to get in this race. You get into his bandwagon, Never and then you realize all the liberal stuff that he's done, and it's hard to move away from that position. And I think I was the same way with Sarah Palin. I, was just, I, I tried to defend her. Even though she was doing things that were questionable, I gave her the benefit of the doubt on yeah. everything. But this is really the end of the road. Well, hopefully, uh, looking at it uh, through that, uh, through those eyes, um, it'll be easier to uh, back away from Donald not voting for him in Iowa and then just having him be the loser and he'll maybe he'll just go away. Because if he wins Iowa, we're doomed. We're doomed. If He's Trump gonna, wins Iowa, we yes. are in serious, he is serious be trouble. A, and just the a wrecking ball. The reason is not necessarily that Trump is going to win the nomination, but it will come down to likely Trump versus establishment. And that is the worst. I mean, not only for the country, it's it's bad for the show. Because <laughs> I don't want to be I, I got to be honest with you. I don't want to spend several months sitting on this air talking about, oh my you know, gosh. Chris Christie versus Donald Trump. I'll, I'll shoot myself. Uh now, at least Marco no, Rubio, Stu, I can outwardly don't. feel competent, competent enough to, to... He didn't seem to really fight that when I said... No, well, no I, we don't want you to, Stu. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, I, I mean, if Marco Rubio, I can at least feel 
you know. Okay. Okay, yeah. You know what? But I'm not going to vote for Chris Christie or John Kasich either. And as we said, John Kasich is the guy who seems to be the leader out of that group that possible? in New Hampshire. I don't know. He's the worst one. How in some ways, it's good because if Cruz does win, um, and the guy who comes out of New Hampshire on the establishment side is not Marco Rubio, but uh, Kasich. but John Kasich. I mean, John Kasich is eminently beatable. <laughs> um, yes. You know, he is a terrible, terrible yeah. candidate. But I mean, it's it's interesting where you have Donald Trump and John Kasich leading the field in New Hampshire, the two most liberal members of the field. You know, we talk about these conservative really? things, and and it's like. Then the the, 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 own, the GOP is picking the most liberal people in their field, sure at least are. in New Hampshire. I mean, it is a northeast state, so I guess that shouldn't surprise me too much. Uh, we also have a, a couple. Of, uh, we have one uh, national poll that just came in with Cruz in second place at 17 to Trump's 36. Wow. Rubio at 11. Carson and Bush at 5. Christie 3. Kasich 3. Fiorina 1. Uh, Huckabee 3. Paul 2. Santorum 1. Where is Carson? Carson is at 8. 8. I'm surprised that's not 2. I know. To be perfectly honest, I at know. this point, not because I don't like Ben Carson, I'm just kind of surprised that. I mean, he had a huge drop off, but he's held that that support line around eight yeah. percent. Um, so that's interesting. Um, Cl uh, Bill Clinton, or excuse me, Hillary Clinton. Uh, they wish that's they had Bill Clinton. The they wish they had Bill Clinton <laughs> running. Um, this is a national poll. Has uh, Clinton at 52, Sanders at 37. But that's uh -huh. national. That's that's tightening. Yes, it is tightening nationally. Um, and uh, let's see if I can have the. Uh, I mean, did you see this poll? Where's do I, I have it on here? I see a Texas uh, feel the burn bumper sticker. I saw a, uh, a Bernie Sanders uh, lawn sign the other day. I was like, wow, that's the first one I've seen yeah, in I Texas. Yeah, I saw a bumper sticker in my neighborhood, so those people need to move. <laughs> this is a CNN poll. This is amazing. CNN, New Hampshire. Now, Bernie Sanders has done well in New Hampshire. There's some polls that have showed him up even double digits in New Hampshire. I have never seen a poll wow. like this. Bernie Sanders, 60. Hillary Clinton, 33. In, in New, Hampshire. New Hampshire. Wow. 60 to 33. Wow. That is amazing. No wonder he's starting to wear better suits and getting cocky. I guess so. <laughs> um, I, you know, Florida, you'd think, would be a pretty good state for Donald Trump. Um, and he is leading the field uh, by a big margin. Because there, in Florida, you have a lot of New York transplants. Um, it's, it's seemingly a, a friendly area. He's got 48% um, wow. in Florida. That's and, a, I don't know, because you've got Marco Rubio. Uh, I mean, that's his ground. Yeah, Rubio and Bush, both yeah, of them. Yeah, that's uh, his ground. And Although Bush, you know, I mean, he's done his time there. And I know, but I mean, he was a well-liked uh, governor. I mean, he was not an unpopular governor there. He no, was, he was not. No, he was I, a popular governor. When he was governor, he was great, yeah. Uh, uh, 48 for uh, Trump, and amazingly, Rubio or Tr Bush, not even in second. Ted Cruz is in second at 16. Rubio, 11. Bush, 10. Now, Florida's far enough away that it's probably not really worthwhile looking at a poll in Florida yet. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it is probably worthwhile looking at uh, everything up to those you know first Trump should do? two or three states. I was thinking what Donald Trump campaign should do is drop everything and just focus on Florida. be a great idea, Don. Yeah. That's what you need to Ask do right Rudy. now. No, no, no. Don't talk to Rudy. Just drop everything and focus on Florida. I mean, don't ask Rudy about it. No, no, no. no. Do not ask He's him. another New Yorker, though, and he's got some good ideas, so <laughs> he does. follow him. Um, the uh, <laughs> inspector general sent a, uh, a letter to Congress, uh, and had, which because they've been really finding some intriguing things in the uh, Hillary Clinton email yes, lately. They have. And I just want to, by the way, thank Donald Trump for making a big, game-changing announcement um, on the same day. That Hillary had to fight off the email. Boy, no battle. kidding. Hmm. No, almost no coverage o over it. Now, would they cover it anyway? I don't know. That's but a coincidence. Now, yeah, coincidence. You're no right. way they could have talked.
no. his good friends, no. the Clintons, could have no. talked about something like that. The January 14th letter from the Inspector General of the Intelligence Agency, Charles McCullough III, obtained by Fox News, explained that findings indicated several dozen emails mm -hmm. contained classified information, including intelligence on special access programs. Such intelligence is more sensitive than top secret, according to Fox News. A wow. uh, former senior law enforcement official told Fox News that there were absolutely no way that one could not recognize SAP material, which is it, the, uh, again, uh, what is it, special access programs. Yeah. It's the most sensitive of the sensitive, they explained to the news outlet. The most sensitive of the sensitive. That's amazing. But, hey, Sarah Palin, uh, that's a great point. I mean, it's that's a fantastic. Not, you know, is Donald Trump doing the thing that is, wow. the, you know, the, doing the things that are the best aligned to defeat Hillary Clinton? I give, I give you yesterday as an example. Now, I mean, I think he had right. that planned for a couple of days, but still not helpful, not helpful at all to take the focus off of Hillary Clinton on one of her worst. And days. we will say that Clinton is just pulling what uh, the Barack Obama people. I mean, she's part of their deal all the time. The spokesman. Look, this is the same interagency dispute that's been playing out for months. Doesn't change the fact that we weren't classified. Just, just playing it out. It's been going on. This is old news. He's just inner fighting. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's uh, that's amazing. It's what the, it's the case they're trying to make, and I think it's convoluted enough probably to succeed. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, unless unless you, and I've said this before, unless you get something, you know, you get something real. Like if she, I don't even know, it, it almost can't even be incompetence. It can't be. She left the front door wide open and the Chinese stole all of her emails. Even if that came out, I don't think that that would necessarily no blow up into a scandal. It no. has to be her getting caught doing something. And the fact that she was able to delete as many emails as she did, 30,000 emails or something, you just got to imagine she deleted the ones that she didn't want anyone right. to see. And uh, that's the way that happens. Yeah, if you're going to get a smoking gun out of that, you're going to have to get lucky that she missed something. And she's pretty good at not missing stuff like that. Yeah, I, I mean... She's been Walking that line for a lot of years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, she's a whole team. She's got hundreds of millions of dollars to make sure those emails are not missed. Um, you know, so, uh, by the way, uh, Fast and Furious, remember that whole thing? Um, that, they're going through new documents on this, and they're now saying, um, first of all, the, uh, the court system is saying, um, no, you can't block access to those. Because, you know, <laughs> Eric Holder was trying to say, well, yeah, yeah executive privilege, you, don't, you can't look at any of those documents. Oh, they're classified. Uh, classified. Can't, can't see that. Well, the court system is saying, uh, no, they're not classified. Um, we're going to be able to look at them. So that's going to go up maybe to the Supreme Court. Good. But uh, the a uh, ATF has run the serial numbers on eight weapons found at El Chapo's uh, hideout after he was caught after the Sean Penn interview. And they found um, that the Fast and Furious uh, program huh. supplied at least one of those guns. There's only huh. eight that they've looked at. And uh, Fast and Furious guns are among the guns actually uh, at El Chapo's hideout. So Could it bad. get any more perfect? So bad. Amazing. Um, so the, the news is not good um, for the left. The news is uh, not particularly good for the right right now. It's kind of one of those things where, I mean, the, the market's down, what do we got? It was over 400 points last time I, I, I glanced Still. over at the television screens over here. Um, oil is down to $27. This is under a buck fifty. I mean, it Come is. On. I don't think it's going to stop. I think we're going to get to $20 a barrel. I mean, it's at 27 now. Yeah, I mean, we, I think we're, we're probably going to hit 20. That's amazing. That I was, mean, I never thought we would see that again. I never thought we would see that again. I mean, it's amazing thinking how fast it's dropped when, and it didn't, doesn't seem that long ago when we were all, you know, it was, oh, it's under four. 
It's under four dollars a gallon. <laughs> well, I mean, Ugh, good. Oil prices were like at one fifteen in, and I'm guessing here, August of 2014. Okay. So it's been a year and a half, and we've gone from one fourteen to twenty seven. I mean, that is incredible. That sure is. And, and the fact that it's, you know, I think low prices of gas are a really good thing uh, for our, our economy. Low, low oil prices are great. And this is the type of thing that, you know, we promised uh, as conservatives. Hey, let us, uh, let us do these fracking things and, you know, you're right. going to get low oil prices. The funny thing is it's almost worked too well. It's gone so far so fast that it's going to damage the yeah. economy, at least in certain areas like North Dakota, like Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think... Overall, it's still a positive. Those places are already feeling it. But a lot of this is a lot of the market problems come to the oil thing. All these companies, you know, they're big energy companies, and they're in the Dow, and they're in the S and P five hundred, and they're just going down every single day. I mean, they're talking about. They think that maybe fifty percent of the fracking companies will go bankrupt. I believe that fifty percent of all the companies. Now, they were talking about fracking is not profitable under $70 a barrel. It's 27 <laughs> These guys, they have debt payments come oh, out. I, I, I was, mean, uh, seriously, uh, one guy that, uh, well, I don't want to tell you where I know him from, but they're already, I mean, he's concerned about his job because they've already laid off thousands of people below him. Yeah. I mean, they're already gone. Have well, a nice day. Well, think about it this way, too. This is, right now, there's about a 1.5 million barrel a day gap between how much we produce and how much we use, meaning that we have 1.5 million barrels extra, uh, which is why these, you know, and, sure. and we've been building that up for a long time, so we've got a lot of oil. But they think that just this year, the fracking cuts are going to result in a $1.5 million loss in pro- of production just this year. So, and, this, they, and they're not investing anything in new exploration. They're not opening new wells. They're not doing any of that stuff. So as it goes down... It's going to tank fast, and that entire excess is wiped out, they believe, this year. Now, that's kind of complicated things because of, in a positive way, because of, uh, this is the only thing that's positive out of the Iran deal, is because they're loosening those sanctions, they're going to get more oil into the market. So some of that might be... uh, Well, that's what they're hoping for, but but that's what Saudi Arabia was banking on prior to the Iran deal, that they would run us out, and then they could jack the prices back up. Which is why they'll be fighting with Iran, which is also another war that will happen. That so it's not yeah. a good thing. And they no, think, you just said it wasn't good. Yeah, it's, much all over. it's not good. It's, it's it feels like one of those things where we're going to hit a bottom, and then all of a sudden it's going to start creeping back up. Oh. And and people are not predicting that it's going to go creep up that fast. But I don't know. I think uh, it, it will. might. It might. And that's I not. I think it will. I just paid a dollar ten yeah. a gallon, and it's going to be three three forty nine. And you know that will be four twenty. It'll be good timing if it happens right before the election. I mean, not that anyone cares about gas prices when, it re- when a Democrat is president. No one cares about them. Boy, um, no kidding. But, man, you want to see that thing, those things start spiking in, like, September and October, it's going to be, it's, it probably will be a big story. I don't know if it's going to happen that fast. My guess is it's probably longer than that. But still, these companies, what are they going to do? All right, I'm rambling on too long. <laughs> 888-727-BECK is the phone number. Let me tell you about something. One uh, asset that seems to be increasing in value these days. Hmm. Okay. Chicklets? Chicklets. They're very tasty. They've got a great minty flavor. Uh, actually, I wouldn't eat these. These are maybe a little bit too valuable to eat, even for you, Jeffy. Uh, this is uh, the uh, Royal Canadian Mint put this together with Gold Line. Uh, the fr- uh, Canadian Mint's first ever, one-tenth of an ounce, 99.99% pure gold bullion legal tender bar. We've been telling you about this for a while. Gold is up today again. 
Um, and that's because there's uncertainty in the world. You know there's uncertainty in the world. We just talked about it. Uh, <laughs> there is a lot of uncertainty in the world. And this is the perfect thing. Like, if you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't really want to make an investment. I might not have enough money to make an investment, a big investment in gold. This is a good place. If you have some money around and you want to get something of real value that you can barter with in a, in a God forbid, a crisis situation, um, this is the one to do because it's credit card sized. You have it. You have it. Uh, if, if, if something goes wrong or gold pr prices skyrocket, you've got a position, which is nice. And, of course, uh, you know, qualifying purchases are still eligible for Goldline's two-way price guarantee program, which is great. Also, the price shield and the price guarantee program. So give Goldline a call, 800-913-GOLD. you got to read their important risk information. You know, it's not right for everybody, but see if it's right for you. Ask them about their accumulation special as well, another great way to get started. Just $100 a month. 1-800-913-GOLD. 1-800-913-GOLD. It's Goldline. You looking to sell your home? At realestateagentsitrust.com, our goal is to ease the stress of home selling by helping you sell your home as quickly as possible at the best price possible. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I want to thank you. In just the last few months, thousands of Blaze Radio listeners just like you have contacted our agents. So if you're thinking of selling your home or if you want help buying a home, Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and let our individually selected agents earn your business. realestateagentsitrust.com All right, it's Pat and Stu uh, joining us, Dan Andros, uh, here uh, to, um, I mean, I guess your your job currently is, I, I guess it's head writer for Glenn's TV show and also a professional antagonizer of people on Twitter about Donald Trump. Is that, <laughs> oh, gosh. Is that a, I, I am not the one antagonizing. <laughs> oh. What it is is I don't want to engage in this stuff, and then I just see the most ridiculous comments over and over and over again, and it's like it's taunting me to get into this. Okay. Okay. They're forcing you. They're forcing yes. They're forcing you, <laughs> essentially. Let me, let, I mean, me start, let me start with this first before we get into yeah. The specific arguments you've been going back and forth with on this. Uh, do you think the Sarah Palin thing at this stage in the game, 2016, is a big deal? Does it move the needle at all for him in Iowa? Uh, well, if, if how I feel is an indicator of how other essentially Tea Party-minded people feel, no, not at all. Mm. I mean, of course, if, if people lot, felt like, like you, then Donald Trump would not that's be correct. That's 25% true. of the that's vote. That's true. So it doesn't matter, I guess. It doesn't <laughs> matter at all. <laughs> I yeah. don't think so. I mean, I think it's, 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 to me, it's more of an indictment on her that she's just given up at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how you can rectify your Tea Party conservatism. You know, you, you went with all these candidates, and now all of a sudden you just jump on with the authoritarian guy. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I loved, by the way, her daughter. Like, right before the announcement, they were like, you know, well, we don't know who it is. Everybody knew it was right. going to be Sarah Palin. Like, we don't know who it is. Trump. And she she posts on her blog, and Sarah Palin reposts it, so obviously That's this right. was coordinated. But she's saying they're like, oh, and Ted Cruz's staffers came out, and, like, they had some quote from Ted, and, and it was it was Anonymous. benign. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was completely benign quote. And she's like, oh, this is, what a knee-jerk reaction from Ted. It makes me want to support, it makes me want my mom to support Trump. So a knee-jerk reaction from Ted, but you just turn around in the same sentence and say, well, now I'm for Trump because of what Ted just did. <laughs> and the, the but, quote, if I remember right, was um, basically, uh, hey, uh, this endorsement, if Sarah Palin does endorse Trump, it's actually more of a commentary on Sarah Palin. 
right. than it is yeah. about Trump. It, like, it yeah. just shows that she's moved a long way. She's no longer the conservative, at least. I don't know if she actually was the conservative we thought she was in 2008, yeah, but I mean, she's she definitely did run not that person now. She did run with McCain. Yeah, and there's so, indication number one. But, um, but at the time, she was, like, kind of the foil to McCain. Like, they were right. mad at her all the time for going rogue and doing the right. things that she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And we defended her through all of that. Yeah, uh, we defended her through all that. So yeah. Donald Trump now, uh, he's, uh, you're getting his supporters uh, kind of coming after you on Twitter and everybody. Whenever you say, I mean, it was the same thing with yeah. me. Whenever I tweet something yeah. about him, he, people come after you. What, what are the arguments you're seeing? Well, they just get more and more. They actually kind of mirror Trump and how he behaves. Is he just takes a stance and then just doubles down on it, and just they are more bold in their proclamation that they're correct. So the the one thing I saw t- uh, today was, uh, oh, so Emmett, you guys got a problem with eminent domain now, huh, conservatives? Well, there goes Keystone. There goes Keystone. I guess if you're all for, you know, if you're all against eminent domain, there goes Keystone Pipeline, and you're, and essentially the argument is you're going against the founding fathers because they were all for eminent domain. Now there's <laughs> kind of a big difference between mm. a pipeline that would provide energy for the entire con- country and a guy's casino, a billionaire's casino. Those are kind of. D- Two different issues. Yeah, does yeah. does eminent exi- uh, domain exist? Should we let it exist? Yes, of course. Of course, there are times when a road or something for the public is more important than you know than dilapidated old houses or whatever. But the point about eminent domain that conservatives get mad at is that government has gone beyond, way beyond what they're supposed to do, and then right. use it for things like a casino by justifying it by saying, well, we're going to get tax dollars. Well, that's not a good reason. Right. Pro- Give the government more money to spend. Oh, I'm all for it now. Which isn't necessarily true to begin with, although, I mean, they say, yeah, we're going to get more tax dollars, but in the beginning, they end up giving all the tax breaks, so it never washes out. But since when, is, when does that become a good thing? When has that begun to become a for, good thing? For that we can get the, For conservatives mm-hmm. to give the government more tax dollars. Right. That's what we need in the government is for them to have more of our tax dollars. Right, and the Kilo Bye. case, um, you know, in New London, um, which is down the road from where we used to live, uh, is a case that was based upon Pfizer getting a new office building built uh, over a bunch of people's homes. And the argument was... Exactly that. If we get this, there'll be more uh, economic activity, which will benefit the community. That is the now. Look, I, to me, if you can't build the Keystone Pipeline without taking people's property, then don't build the Keystone Pipeline. Build it around. It's a pipeline. Build it around. I don't. I, you know. Right. I, pipes, I, so pipes, I, I don't know if you know this, but pipes don't have to go straight. Right. They can. They move. can go they this go around way and that yards. way. It's, it's pretty crazy. easy. It's crazy. Um, you know. So I don't have a like. I would not say. Hey, I want eminent domain used for the Keystone Pipeline. You know, that's I would like. You know, if I'm president of the United States, it's not going to happen. Or if I'm if I'm president like Barack Obama is president, where I can do anything I want, it's not going to happen. Um, uh, but that being said, that's that, as you point out, it's 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 not the same case. The case, uh, the Kilo case, was about essentially just saying, okay, we're going to take land and build buildings on it. Um, the same thing with Trump. They were gonna, it was taking land from a. I mean, and he, this is not the only time he did it. It's just the most blatant time. Uh, when he wanted to take land from an elderly woman in Atlantic City to build a parking garage for limousines. Um, and, you know, he argued for it. He argued uh, for, ke- the kilo, uh, for the government's position in the Kelo case. I mean, it, he was, said he was 100% behind the government to take people. I mean, I stood on land in New London back when, you know, uh, a visiting home for some holiday. I'm like, I got to go up there and see what it looks like. It is this flattened field. It's an empty field they took down all of these people's houses took them down there's just a bunch of tall grass growing in a field now where these people lived because oh. Pfizer never came so they took the people's land 
uh, won the Supreme Court in a case, and to my mind, probably the worst single Supreme Court case uh, ruling that I can remember. Uh, I mean, it's at least on the level of Obamacare. It's, it's that bad. Um, and now there's nothing there at all, except Ooh. for one building, which is the, uh, the uh, Italian Center or something. I can't remember the exact uh, uh, name, the Italian American Center or something, because those people were very connected to the local government and somehow avoided their building being torn down. <laughs> but the local people who, because uh, they didn't need, Pfizer didn't need that property. Right, no. They only needed the people's houses that had no power to fight it. <laughs> um, so eminent domain, people say, well, it's not, a, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal because it's a small issue. It's not as big as the border, which, I, you know, look, I agree. It's not, I mean, most states afterwards, even liberal states, went and passed laws to prevent it. But it's just an indication of how this guy thinks. What yeah. is his is his, and he will get it no matter what. Yeah, and then and then the and then the supporters just go right along and they'll justify like the excuse they saw. They're not taking it; it's not robbery. They're they're compensating them. Yeah, oh, that makes it oh, so that's, much. That's better. what Australia did with guns too. Yeah. they had a mandatory buyback yeah, program. They so, so they co they didn't confiscate the guns; they bought them back before so. that too. Because I guarantee, if Donald Trump decides that he's going back to his position from two years ago, where he was uh, pro gun control when he decides to go back to there when he's president guess what he's going to do same exact type of thing he doesn't care he wants it done if there's something done. that happens that will benefit donald trump mm -hmm. oh yeah by going back to gun control mm -hmm. he'll go back that's to that's what scares me about him is that he doesn't actually believe in anything and that's why the second thing that is going up on twitter that was driving me out of my mind is well reagan in 1960 was a liberal now and then he's the number one conservative Oh, because that, that's the same as Donald Trump at this mm. point, who was completely liberal on, and all over the board on everything, and now is just suddenly touting conservative views that some, yeah. well, things, some things that sound remotely conservative. Right, and that's the also thing. Also a little alarmingly authoritarian at Yeah, time. let's think about what the, the two parts of this argument. <clears throat> Number one, Reagan was conservative. Donald Trump still isn't conservative. That's a problem. Right. Um, the fact that currently, as he's running for the president of the United States, he's still not espousing conservative positions. He doesn't even know what they are. The man thinks it's two Corinthians, for God's sake. There's no way he knows. I saw, can I just say another one? Another one. This is, this, I need to eject from Twitter immediately because oh, I saw people defending that. You know, some, there are some seminaries that use the phrase to uh, Corinthians. Yeah, you know because that's what Donald Trump was doing. He knew oh, about yeah. these There's remote seminaries, seminaries yes. in North Dakota, yeah. <laughs> and he was just quoting them, obviously. This is how knowledgeable he is. Yeah, this is the, uh, the, Trump, the Trump philosophy is he <laughs> says something dumb, then they reverse engineer the justification for it. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, you know, he says, hey, she's bleeding out of every or orifice, comes back the next day. What I meant was her ears. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's... No one, everyone knows he didn't mean his ears, but yeah. that's his retroactive Trump probably, for he it. probably reads Twitter more than I do. He probably says something dumb and then just goes and scours Twitter. All right, let's look for oh, where's, what's the the dumb, best where's the best the argument. Oh, there it is. Okay, good. Yeah. That, that's what I meant. That was that's the thousands of people in, um, in, uh, in uh, New Jersey dancing over 9-11. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to get back to this Reagan point in, in just a second before, yeah. before we go to break. It, that's what he did with that. Thousands of people were dancing and celebrating the 9-11 attacks. Well, there, uh, I saw the video. Well, there was no, no video. There's no Oh, all of his followers go and they dig up one story that says that a couple of people were doing it and say that's what he meant. Well, no. He said thousands no. of people and he said he saw the video. The, he saw it. What he saw, and we all know it, yeah. was the Palestinian yes, video. That's Because everyone saw that one. Yeah, that's that what one, he was talking about. That wasn't about. in New Jersey? 
No, ironically, that was in the Gaza Strip. Huh. <laughs> All right, let's come back with the Reagan thing in just a second. We're running super late. Triple eight seven twenty seven back. Uh, more patent stew is inevitable. Unfortunately, that's what I do. I guess it's scheduled when we have to do it every time. Whatever. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven Beck is the phone number. Uh, it's Pat, and uh, well, Pat's not here. It's Pat and Stu, but Pat's not here. He didn't bother to show up today. Um, uh, Jeffy's here. Dan Andrews has joined us. Um, you know, and I'm very critical of the way that they don't care about work. By the way, Super Bowl coming up in a couple of weeks. I'll be out in a couple of days. Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I actually go in, inside the really? stadium. It's amazing. Let's finish this Reagan thing real quick because I want to. I want to do. Yeah. I wanna, there's one more issue I've got to talk to you about because I think you'll be on the same page as us. Okay. Um, uh, the Reagan thing. Oh, well, Donald Trump, he, what, he switched positions just like Reagan. Just Reagan like was Reagan. a Democrat. Now he's a conser- uh, he was a Republican, and he was a great president. Listen to Ronald Reagan's speeches uh, and commentaries from, like, 1964, okay? Listen to him. An articulate, think tank-level understanding mm-hmm. of things like health care and, and uh, you know, uh, communism and, and, and important issues of the day. He was doing that 16 years before he was president. Now, it's easy to look back and see how great of a president he was, but would you think he should have been elected in 1964 if he was in 1960 a liberal? No. You have to but take he, some time yeah. to get there. And, if you, and you also have to show a real fundamental understanding of that transition. Yeah. The guy still doesn't know what he's talking about. He still doesn't. And look, Reagan, while well, you can go to the early 60s for him to, to see that switch, he was officially, that's when he became a Republican. But they, you know, from what I've read... He was kind of essentially a Democrat in name only for many, many years mm-hmm. in the 50s before he finally, because what turned him was the communism thing. Like, he had mm-hmm. some bad run-ins with communists in Hollywood, and they threatened him, like, you know, with violence if he didn't, you know, conform to whatever they were trying to do. And so he had that bad experience, and that sort of got him on the road to turning around. So that was like a long process for him with deep meaning and background where Trump is just... Right. You know, he's, he's not articulating any of that. And no pivot, no real actual pivot point, like, no. like as Glenn always says. There's, yeah. no, there's no moment there where he's like, you know, like Reagan's like, oh, my gosh, these communists want, were going to burn my face with acid so that I couldn't work in Hollywood anymore. Yeah. I mean, think like about yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, four years ago or six years ago, he was donating money to Rahm Emanuel. Um, you know, this is a guy who <laughs> still after think about that, Dan, a month after the Tea Party wave election. The man handed a check to Rahm Emanuel for $50,000. This is a guy who it just doesn't feel it. And I think, uh, I think uh, Eric Erickson put this really well on uh, uh, a story he wrote, which was, shouldn't this guy have to help the movement for a while before he leads it? Yeah. I mean, shouldn't he at least be involved in the movement for a while before we just launch him up to number one? I, I said this yesterday on the air, and I think um, Jeffy really liked the analogy, so I'll, I'll do it again. It's like, <laughs> oh if Jeffy was right now going to say he had developed the ultimate workout program and put himself on the cover. I've been doing it for weeks, and it's great. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I, sorry, Jeffy. I don't think it would sell a lot of, uh, of, of copies. The book wouldn't be a huge success. If you took what you are and turned it into some guy who's in shape, then it would. Yeah. But it takes time. That's you have to prove that. You have to show evidence of that transition before you start selling lots of copies. 
Um, let's kind of move on to something uh, in the pop culture world before you yeah. leave. Because this one is, I just, yes. <laughs> I, I, I was preaching about how much, how funny Amy Schumer was long before most people knew who she right. was. Uh, you know, because she, I used to hear her on, uh, on the Opie and Anthony show mm -hmm. years and years and years ago. Um, I, I heard her on there. She um, was on, I guess, Last Comic Standing. But she, you know, she'd been around for a while as a, as a comedian. And she's really funny. Um, and the run of the things she's really funny about is she takes, she does what Jeffy does. She takes a really offensive joke uh, and makes it worse. When you think she's going to bring it back and say, no, 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 she'll make it worse. She goes further down the dark road. She goes further down. You know, and, and her big act essentially is that she's, um, you know, a big, she's uh, promiscuous. There's a nice word for it. Um, and you know, well, what does she use? What types of words does she? She uses the word whore. Oh, okay. A lot, okay. Um, uh, but promiscuous. She's very promiscuous. Um, in fact, the movie she just made was her being incredibly promiscuous. Right. Listen to her CDs. I've listened to her CDs, and some of them are they're brilliant. I mean, brilliant. She's really, really talented, and it's like. But, like, you listen to them, and they are jokes about the most offensive thing. Child abuse, uh, you know, uh, right. sexually transmitted nothing diseases. Sacred. Nothing like, sacred. That's, nothing that's the, is sacred. That's the whole, nothing. I mean, uh, that, that really is supposed to be what, where comedy is supposed to go. Right. There's nothing sacred. Yes. It's comedy. That's what, yes. And, I, and, and when com comedians get in trouble, I sit here all the time and defend them because it's like, these guys, that's, that's what their job is. Yes, that's what they're right. supposed Thank to be you. doing. If you don't like them, don't listen. Now, all of a sudden... She's become popular. She's got a big Hollywood movie. She's now fighting for gun control with her stupid right. cousin, Chuck Schumer. Um, <laughs> and now this happens. She's, uh, do we have the tweet here? This is a picture of a, uh, a movie reviewer who's 17 years old, gets a picture taken with Amy Schumer, a fan of, of hers, says, spent the night with Amy Schumer, certainly not the first guy to write that, Critics' Choice Awards. Now, a very tame jo a joke that she probably wouldn't put in her own act because it was too tame. Right. right. And it okay? makes sense. I mean, it, yeah. it, it makes sense. Right. playing off of her, her persona, persona. Right. Right? Like, it is, you know, of right in the line of, of essentially. Now, I understand that he might not be close friends with her and maybe, Whatever. like, you know, like, you know, if someone comes up and calls Jeffy fat out of nowhere, <laughs> I mean, they'd be right, but it wouldn't be. It's not like us doing it because we know Jeffy. Um <clears throat> At least that's how I justify it. Uh, here is the, uh, now here is her response tweet. Now, keep in mind, this kid is 17 years old. He's not a, ma a master comedian. She writes, oh, uh, oh. Um, no, that's the oh, apology. This is the actually. Uh, oh, that's her responding to the apology. Okay, you we don't have the actual uh, second tweet. The second tweet was, she, she wrote something oh, I get it because of, I'm I get it because, because I'm a, a whore. whore. Well, thanks a lot. Say hi to your dad. Like, she was all pissed <laughs> off. Now he's responded. Um, and he, he writes, I truly apologize for the tweet I posted, posted earlier. I'm not a comedian and it wasn't funny. She, I think, brings it back in a nice way and says, it's really okay, honey. Just remember thinking you and your dad were sweet. It was a bummer to read a that. Bummer but to a read bummer to read that. It wasn't what are you really, talking about? It's a joke. He's trying to play along with your persona. It was a tame joke. It almost joke. feels like, like she was trying to actually take it farther in the tweet and everybody took it the wrong way. So then she did. But then when she came back with the next, oh, it's okay, honey. I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think. And this is the classic thing that liberals do. They, they get to do. They, they have this they weird get to right. Do this. Like uh, they can no sit there and they can be sexist all day long, and then when they want to just turn on you, then 
a 17-year-old kid, I guess, is the time to do it for her. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's like... And, and then they can just turn on a dime and just claim sexism. I mean, that's... And then it's a you sons of... <laughs> yeah, you sons of bitch, how like, dare what? you? The kid's got to be like, thing. are you kidding me? You see it in comedy all the time. People make racist jokes. They make jokes about gays. I mean, look at some of the shows that have been in a... Have been, uh, uh, promoted as these wonderful um, gay uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, com comedies that have come out, and they're and it's just essentially a collection of gay jokes, yeah. things that y you shouldn't right. really say, but because it's seen in this liberal light, they're all okay. It's okay. It's um, and and with Amy Schumer in particular, this has been, she's becoming humorless. Yeah, she, she, this is, she, I'm, listen to her, listen to her material, listen to her in interviews. She says things that are a thousand times worse than this. To get offended by this guy, and then to go back, and because, the, and this is not her fault, but it's, it's, she should know this is the answer to it. People are writing articles destroying this kid. Yeah. Like, he's, he's the worst person in the world. He's slut-shaming Amy Schumer. Slut <laughs> you can't slut-shame Amy Schumer. It's her whole act. <laughs> yeah. And this poor kid, he, like, won, uh, I guess a few years ago, he won, like, some contest. or he, He's, like, the youngest member of the Critics' Choice or whatever that yeah. thing is. He, he won this, you know, uh, on-air talent thing, you know, for critics, like, when he was 12 or something right. like that. And so this is a kid. This is probably the biggest moment in his career. And potentially could yeah. launch him into something bigger. And she just absolutely so. grenades that thing. For what? For what? For what purpose? I mean, you know, this is what, this is your act. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it, Jeffy is a really good example of this. If every single time someone tweeted you, Jeffy is fat or fat lives matter, you oh got all God. offended and tried to trash I'm starting them. to get pissed. <laughs> I'm starting to get pissed yeah. at all you people with your little fat lives matter hashtags pissing me off. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like you don't get offended because it's your shtick. First of all, most of the time it's funny. Yes. I mean, that's what the whole point of them doing it is yeah. that it's funny. And Amy knows that. Yeah. You damn well she knows that. Of course that. she does. And that joke was a random moment to be offended. And that joke was not bad. I mean, like, tame. You know, may, that kid is, like, right. so innocent looking. Maybe he maybe he just meant, like, I, I don't know what you meant with guys being there. Do you just play PlayStation with them at night? I don't know. Why did you have to take it there? I want to get to this cool footage of the Soviet Union. <laughs> this is amazing. We'll, go, we'll come back to this in a second. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven. Back to the phone number. Back in a second. Thanks, Dan. No, I'm saying thanks to Dan, but <laughs> not thanks to Jeffy. I want to make sure I make a distinction, a real delineation there. <laughs> I'm thanking Dan. I'm not thanking Jeffy. <laughs> All right, 727 Beck is the phone number. We're going to come back with uh, that. Uh, we're a little short on time here to get to that footage of the Soviet Union, which is really cool and you got to see. Um, but there's a big problem in the Navy right now, um, and it's, it's, it's hateful. It is. It's, it it's is hateful. hateful. Uh, Thank you, it is. You know, it's time to think broader. Um, and that's the organization that has luckily uh, come up and, and, and made this point, which is, isn't it hateful that we call people in the Navy uh, the midshipmen? Yes, because oh my gosh! If if you think about it, what about a midship woman? What about a person who who doesn't have a gender? What about a pansexual uh, spokes thing? Right, right. What do they do? Um, How many of those are in the Navy, Stu? Many. Uh, they're saying that uh, a social bias is in the media, and the change from midshipmen is needed to ensure that women feel as welcome as men. Oh my god! Have a word. Having a word like infantryman. 
Uh, it implies that uh, if you want to do that job, you got to be a man. Uh, and you have to become mannish, and you have to do it in a masculine way. Why can't we invade countries in a feminine way? No one talks about that. <laughs> I mean, that's... Oh, God, this country is screwed. Beck is the phone number. Welcome to the Pat and Stu Show. Pat uh, back tomorrow. Jeffy here, sadly, today. Um, sorry. Sadly? Yeah. Uh, did I say sadly? Okay. Um, so uh, the Soviet Union, great. They did a great job. Uh, because big government works, and the Soviet Union proved it over a long period of time. Well, they're pretty close. Yeah. They're pretty close. If it would... Just done slightly differently, it would have worked. A little bit. Um, you know, a couple trillion dollars here, a couple trillion dollars there. That's it. That's it. Um, so uh, the Soviet Union, um, back in the you know, 50s, they developed hundred, hundreds of cities that are kind of, kind of, it reminds me of kind of like the ghost cities of, of China, China, where like, yeah. they build these huge cities and no one really lives in them. These were cities that they built and never put on maps. They kind of just kept them secret. It's a bizarre story. Watch. Closed military townlet number one didn't look like much. It was some drab concrete apartment buildings, some nondescript offices hidden way out in the middle of the woods. But it was hidden from the world for a reason. In the 1960s, it was home to one of the Soviet Union's most closely guarded scientific programs. This drab little town was also known as Star City, and it was where the cosmonauts lived. Over a hundred cities and a million people literally living off the map. If you lived in one of these cities, your town had no name, and you as a citizen were yourself kept out of view. In 1960, the Soviet Union ordered the creation of a brand new closed city. It was the Cosmonaut Training Center. The small team of cosmonauts moved to Star City, and they only took up one building. It was a tiny operation, but slowly it began to grow. It's so bizarre because, I mean, this happens from time to time in history. I mean, the Nazis had a, um, um, a, a military establishment that they built off the map um, that was meant to hit uh, the, uh, England with missiles. And they built it, and they started building it up and, and built it so big that eventually uh, the uh, Allies found out about it and bombed the hell out of it. And so, they, <laughs> I mean, it's typical. I mean, they, all the mistakes that Hitler made... Um, uh, during the war, I mean, military, he made lots of mistakes outside of the military, um, being a, the, one of the worst people ever born. Uh, but he, it, there were so many times that if he had just changed tactics slightly, God only knows was, what kind of world. It would yeah. be the Amazon, uh, you know, yeah, man, man and the, the high tower. And the high tower. <laughs> like, we'd be there. <laughs> like, this guy. So the Soviet Union were doing some of these similar things. There were, you know, there were secret pro projects were built in these... Uh, Areas that were they weren't even naming. I mean, they call it Star City, but I don't even think that was the uh, any official name. That was just kind of what they talked about. Uh, so here's another clip of this uh, little documentary. Over the 1960s, they built the best space program in the world, at least for a while. 
During the 1960s, the Soviet Union invested heavily in its cosmonaut program and planned extensively for a lunar landing. Star City itself blossomed into a real town, with its own post office, movie theater, a railway station, and a couple of schools. And all of this investment paid off. The Soviet Union not just sent the first satellite into space, but the first dog, the first man, the first woman, and did the first spacewalk. All of this was bearing fruit. It was bearing space fruit. So while the secrecy of Star City has faded, its aesthetic remains firmly fixed in the 1960s and 1970s. It's got kind of a retro-futuristic, shabby, chic thing going on. But don't be fooled by the aesthetic. Star City still contains some of the best training equipment in the world. In fact, with the space shuttle retired, the Soyuz rocket, designed in the 1960s and built to last, is the only way to get to space. Hmm. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, it's a really interesting story. I mean, they, it's a weird culture. It really was uh, a weird culture. And, I, and my understanding is they did, at least didn't call them midshipmen. Uh, no, that that would have been, oh, oh my gosh, so hateful. Um, you know, it's, it's so funny the way these, uh, these governments act. And I, th I find that we as Americans today, living in probably the best time of the best country in world history, um, and he is bad as Barack Obama has been, I mean, just generally speaking, um, you know, we have the most advancements, I, you know, yeah, it's still great. And especially when you compare it to, you know, the circumstances of everyone else on this planet currently and um, everyone in history. Uh, so, I mean, it, you know, we get so used to this and we get used to a government that generally, res generally speaking, respects uh, the constraints given to it. And, and it's hard to make that argument in this particular administration. But, you know, for example, we do all expect that Hillary Clinton or Ted Cruz or Donald Trump is going to win the nomination and then Barack Obama is going to leave the office. Right. He's going to walk away. Um, now, I don't know that all of us expect that. Us. Most of us expect that. <laughs> I don't know if Barack expects it, but most of us expect it. And we've had a lot of, we have things like that that are built into our society that, that trick us to believe that our government is constantly doing, is, is a maybe incompetent, but generally uh, positive yeah, they care about They care you about know, you. you know, they're evolving into the future. I don't even know if I want to say that. But, I mean, you know, like they're not doing terrible experiments on twins in the back office. You know what I mean? Um, it's funny, though, because afterwards we always find that they were essentially yeah. doing experiments on twins in the back, <laughs> back office. Um, you know, it's not that bad, but it is. There's always something going on that they're not telling you about. Um, there's always some secret program that you don't know about. I mean, uh, if you think knew, about you, we would, you, you couldn't live with yourself. Yeah. We, we have to be the ones that are the only right. ones that know it. Think about this. Benghazi, this, this report just came out from Benghazi, that the annex, which was one mile away from where the, uh, the ambassador was staying, was unknown to high-level military yeah. leadership. They didn't even know it was there, which is one of the reasons why they didn't scramble uh, forces particularly quickly. They didn't know they had people a mile away. Yeah. A mile away. They didn't know. Um, now, Hillary Clinton knew, uh, and many people in the State Department and CIA knew, but high levels of, uh, of the military uh, apparatus did not know. Um, so if they don't know what's going on, what, what is going on right now that we don't know about? I don't want to talk about it. Well, you certainly don't. I, I don't want to talk about, I mean, I know a couple things that are happening, Stu, and I can't tell you. You know a couple things? Yeah, that are... I know a couple things I can't tell you. Hmm. I wish I could. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> and imagine what the sort of stuff that would go, I mean, I'm, I know I'm 
I'm on this kick, but it's like, imagine Donald Trump, what he oh would do with gosh. that power secretly. Well, that's you imagine? If you think, If you honestly think that he's not what he, when he gets into office, if he gets into office, if he's not going to act only on what benefits him, you are sadly mistaken, because that's all he ever does. Oh, yeah. I mean, for, for, for example, uh, Sarah Palin in her speech last night said something to the effect of, uh, you know, uh, the Trump Tower. Well, you know what? Donald built that, you know, kind of going back to the Obama. Right. Well, actually, a lot of illegal immigrants actually built it. Um, illegal immigrants <laughs> uh, built the Trump Tower. Uh, but, you know, hey. hey, that was a long time ago. So don't worry about Look, it. Look, I had to get it done. I didn't know. Mm. Speaking of uh, Trump and his uh, stances on immigration, uh, you know, certainly he's got... Uh, you know, if he actually believes this immigration thing, which there's no real indication that he does, he's you know, flip-flopping on this as recently as last year. Uh, but if he does believe it, he's got some good material to talk about. Um, and you know, one of the things that you're seeing is in Europe. I mean, to be able to talk about what's going on in Europe is pretty amazing. Advocates of youth sex education in Sweden have suggested one way to combat sexual assaults by migrants is to offer young refugees sex education, including teaching them about gay rights, abortion, STDs, and gender equality. They're saying now in Sweden. Leaders of the sexual education organization, RFSU, the Swedish Association for Sexuality Education, uh. Mm, uh, promoted sex ed class for uh, refugee and teenage boys. So I guess if you just tell refugees, hey, try not to rape, um, if you could, you know, cut back the raping uh, 20%, maybe 30%, uh, that would be positive. That would be nice. Mm -hmm. Would be good. Uh, we'd, lo we'd love to have that happen if we could. And you know, I'm not saying that you know all the way to. I mean, in some areas, rape is part of the culture. I mean, uh, you know, this is a huge thing that's going on in India. We've talked about the Middle East has these problems. Well, as well, well according so to these people, uh, it, it is not uh, anything to do with the ethnic backgrounds, Stu. Mm -hmm. It's uh, rooted in gender, masculinity, and power. That's it. That's it. That's why we have to take. So they always say that rape isn't about sex; it's about power. Which mean, I mean, you know, you're the rape expert here. I, I don't know. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, look online, search for it. Jeff Fisher, true. rape expert. Look you'll, it up. You'll find it. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's still one of my favorite things that's ever happened on the show. Uh, do we, if you don't know the backstory, we did this segment about what they call sexual assault and what they call sexual harassment, and we made this kind of, uh, you know as we do on The Wonderful World of Stew, is we make a point and we make it sort of ridiculous and over the top. So we had Jeffy pose as a rapist uh, <laughs> to act out these scenes. Um, and uh, so we just referred to him as a rape expert. And whenever anyone would ask us questions about it, we just gave, well, we had a rape expert on scene for this particular uh, show just to kind of antagonize the media. So they kept reporting Jeffy as rape expert Jeff Fisher. <laughs> oh, I just love and Now Jeffy's name was forever associated uh, with a rape expert. We look, at, look online, it's there. It really is. Look it up. You'll see it all over the place. <laughs> um, all right, uh, let's really see. Funny. Let's see. Before, I don't know if we want to get into this. We're too close to the break. Let's, let's, uh, well, let me go through a couple more of these. How about this? we got a couple other stories to take us to the break, and then we'll come back on the other side. Um, Facebook has uh, launched an online campaign against hate speech. Good. This is something that we wanted to do because, look, editing hate speech, you know, I don't know. I'm a free market uh, guy when it comes to speech. Uh, I generally, and this is why I talked about it earlier, I defend comedians all the time. I am pretty much a purist on this one. I really want people to be able to say pretty much anything. Amen. Um, now, there are places, uh, that doesn't mean I want, you know, 
my kids' shows to be, you know, have F-bombs in the middle of, a, you know, an episode of Blaze and the Monster Machine. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm asking for. And there are places where, um, you know, there should be controls uh, by the corporations, and, and certainly. But I'm, I, the government should basically never tell anyone not to say a certain thing, with the exception of a threat. Um, you know, the, the typical fire in a crowded theater. There's a couple of exceptions. Right. But I, I'm as close to a purist on this. I, I, you know... Facebook can edit hate speech, but, you know, I think people get the uh, ramifications of their actions when it comes to that sort of thing. Um, Facebook announced, though, they will try and uh, try an online civil courage initiative uh, geared toward targeting and eliminating social media hate speech. Now, again, threats are a different story. If you're saying bad things about a group of people, should your, your comments be edited? My belief is no. Um, No. And, uh, you know, I, I hate them. I hate when people do that. Um, I don't want Twitter is on this big campaign too. They're all on the big campaign of uh, of the hate speech, of doing more to uh, curb that, and doing more to uh, well, Twitter and I'm sure Facebook is doing the same thing. Is they're doing they're saying that uh, they're going to be able to if someone it appears if they believe that someone's life is in danger, they can get all your information, give it hand it over, and someone will so try reach out to you and uh, try to help you. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a close line. It's a close, a close line. line. Like, I don't think you should be, like, someone says something like, you know, there's nothing I can't stand more than 9-11 conspiracy theories, right? Like, that's really not my bag. But, you know, should they be censored? No. They're able to say whatever the hell they want. Um, you know, racism is a terrible thing you see online all the time. Sexism you see online all the time. Uh, those things should not be edited unless it's, uh, you know, you're, if you're harassing an individual, if you're um, threatening an individual, that is a different line. And, and I think that there are already laws that cover that, that, you know, that uh, it's not it's not about speech per se. It's about um, threatening someone um, that is a, you know, making terroristic threats, making threats against uh, women, which I mean, you know, look at God, conservative women take this all the time. I mean, look at what Dana and Michelle Malkin for two examples, uh, the abuse they take online. Um, and they never get any support. Boy, no kidding. I mean, they get called all sorts of things. And it's one thing to call someone a name. It's another thing to constantly uh, berate them and harass them. Um, I think there are lines there. And luckily, there are tools, I think, on Twitter where you can, you can block people, you can do things like that. Uh, that's a big part of it. But, you know, I don't want the government getting involved in that. company wants to do it. You know what? You, then you, you kind of go in and you say, you know what? I like this, this platform or I don't. Uh, you know what? Facebook is editing too much. I'm going somewhere else. That's your right. And right. you can say, you know, Facebook is not, Facebook is not too big to fail. Uh, you know, if they want to... Oops, I dropped the paper. They're pretty close today. They're pretty close I, to being believe, too big to fail. I think people really do believe that. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about this uh, over the weekend. As a broadcaster, uh, as someone who's been doing a show for... I mean, since I was... I've been in radio since 1997... So, what was I at that point? Tw- you know, 20? Since I've been 20. What was I, 2? 3? Yeah, you, Jeffy was much younger. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I was 20 years old, getting into radio, really wanted to do radio. And so my whole life, and Jeffy as well, you've been in even longer. You were in radio before, actually, radio before was invented. Started, he was yeah. there with Marconi. <laughs> um, you live your life in a different way uh, than most other people, in that, like, your life experiences are constantly being mined for content. Right? Everything you do. Every time you go to the store, you're not going to store to pick up things, which, of course, you still have to do. But, like, you see a funny message on a box of cereal, it's a bit the next day. There's nothing kid, you do that isn't. Well, 
Can I use that? Can I use Can that? I that? Right. It's con it's constantly in your head. It's how people say, like, you know, how many hours do you work? It's impossible to calculate because it's always work. Right. Everything that you do. Every time you go in, you turn on the faucet, it doesn't work, it pisses you off, that's material for the next day. And, you're, and, <laughs> yes. and it's not just like you come back on the air the next day and you say, okay, my, my, my faucet broke and it pissed me off. It's uh, how do you... You know, how do you talk about that? How do you craft it? How do you, you know, what's the point that you're making if there is And one? you might not even use it tomorrow. You might not use it for a couple of weeks. Right. Like, it's constant. And it's a weird way to live because you're not necessarily always living a life experience in a natural way. Like, you're living it in a way That's that, like, life. it's, you're, 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 you're using it. You're using your life for something else. And it struck me this weekend is that is what people do now on social media. Everyone is essentially doing their own show. They're all sitting there saying, you know what? I can use this picture and show it on my Facebook, and I can get out and maybe I'll get some likes. I can post this on Instagram. It's never doing the thing. It's doing the thing with the idea that you can turn it into material for later. And that is how we've always lived. So it's yeah. very familiar to me. And I, you know, want to avoid it when I'm off the air, <laughs> you know, like as much as possible. I don't want it, you know. Uh, but it's, it's interesting, as I see other people um, who I know and my family and everything do these things, that is ex it's the same yeah, it instinct. We've all become broadcasters. And we kind of throw this term around of social media without really thinking about what we're saying. It's media. Yeah. It's like we're all in the media now. We're all conducting our own little shows. We're all looking for the funny joke that we can post on Twitter. We're all looking for that commentary on Facebook. We're all looking for the picture or the thing that can make people feel empathy for someone else or whatever. That's all the stuff that we do. That's our jobs. And we've been doing it for a really long time, and now literally everyone's doing it. And, you know, you might not be doing it to 10 million people. You might have 60 followers. But you're still essentially doing a show based around your life. Yep. And i got 60 followers. i only got two likes. Oh. Right. You got to do better. That's your ratings. Right? Gotta do better. Thank you. It's essentially what that is. It's it's what we do with ratings. We look at oh crap, that didn't work. We only you know got, you know, uh, only ten million people listening this week instead of eleven, and we get pissed off, uh, you know. And it's like that's the same thing. And it's weird to see now our entire society now does our job, like we're doing the job. Um, our entire society does the job every day. Stu may think you do it well. I do not. I do not think you do it well at all. So just move on. Wow. Jeffy really doesn't like you. He, I he keeps saying it well. off the air. I, I keep saying, like, I love our audience. And he says, no, I don't like them. I think they're bad people. <laughs> uh, so we'll have to get to cover that here in just a minute. All right. Triple Beck is the phone number. I want to tell you about a great company uh, called Go. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. Uh, social, uh, social media, uh, you know, we've been posting there as well. Um, and it's all about, uh, you know, solar energy. Now, solar energy is something that conservatives don't like, right? That's what you're supposed to believe. And that's not true. I mean, in, in a way... You think of solar energy really as something that should be really consistent with the conservative sort of principle um, because, you know, it's about independence. It's about not having to depend on others for something that you absolutely need. Why not have that uh, available to you? Well, the reason why you don't is because they basically want you to pay for a car to put on top of your house. It's tens of thousands of dollars uh, that you don't have to put on top of your house. Well, Go has flipped this formula. Basically, what they've done is they've said, you know what? We'll install all this stuff, and you don't have to pay anything up front, and then you just buy the power from us for 20 to 30% less uh, than what you'll currently uh, pay on your home. Now, 60,000 satisfied customers have been doing this already. It's the best warranty in the industry. So if you want to try this and check it out, see if it's available in your area, think Go. They're one of the biggest residential solar companies in the country with over 60 local offices, so you never have to worry about 
customer service or maintenance or any of that stuff. So how much but, is it going to cost me to get? Um, Zero dollars, which is and kind I'm of a nice price. I feel uh, like it's a good price. They're going to hook it up at my house mm -hmm. for how much? Uh, Zero dollars. And then you just buy the energy from them. It's like, like, I mean, if you think about it, it's like they're, you're essentially like leasing them the space to yep. build their little power plant. And then you buy the power from them, but you get it 20 to 30 percent cheaper than uh, the, the power you're getting now. It's a great idea. Find out if Go is available in your area with Go, so Go Solar at, uh, excuse me, Go Solar with the Blaze.com. Go Solar with the Blaze.com. Power your home affordably with Go Solar with the Blaze.com. Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the phone number. It's Pat and Stu minus Pat, and Jeffy's always here, which, which we can't seem to solve. Just no matter what we do, he's always here. Um, the Oscars are coming up. A lot of people complaining about how there's no black actresses. The white skirts. The what? I'm going to start calling them the white skirts. The white skirts. The white skirts. Yeah, there's no black people at the Oscars ever anymore. It's all just white people. This is a big. It's all just white people. This is a big problem. It's agonizing. I will say, is the outrage even real? Do you think it's real? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because the, uh, it all started, you know, we talked a little bit yesterday about uh, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith being with uh, Spike Lee and being all wound up. And it, because Will, uh, hubby, I didn't get the Oscar <laughs> for, uh, for his movie, uh, Concussion. But uh, we've got some people now that are saying, stop it. Stop it. Uh, you know, the people are, it's okay. There's, there's roles out there for everyone. A little pushback here, I, which is good. I yes, mean, it is. You know, um, yes, it is. By, by the way, so we found out yesterday that the uh, president of the Oscar organization uh, is African-American. <laughs> so, uh, you know what's above best picture and best uh, actor and actress? Uh, the person who runs the freaking Oscars. That's, that person is above <laughs> those categories. And they even uh, have come, I mean, they're obviously running the freaking organization and they don't have, seem to have a problem with it. Um, one of the funny things that kind of goes with the Jada Pinkett Smith thing, uh, Will Smith, of course, started out um, as a rapper uh, and then did Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It's kind of where a lot of people got to know him. His, um, uh, uh, the original Aunt Vivian, I guess yeah. she was only there for a season. Is that right? I was trying to figure that out. I, I don't remember she was there for three oh, seasons. Okay. I don't remember it changing. Do you remember it changing? No, I do not. I watched that show when I was a kid. I don't remember there being two Aunt Vivs. I, I, I mean, I don't remember watching the show that much, but I don't, you know, I don't remember even that she was part of the show. So, no, you know what? I don't remember watching <laughs> that stupid show. But she's speaking up. I guess she had a falling out with the show. And, oh, I'm and, sure she and, did. And, I, and there was a kind of a big blowout there. But uh, it kind of has a problem with the idea that uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't be focusing on how many people of which color are in the Oscars. What? Uh, she posted a video. Watch. I want to say something about um, Jada Pinkett Smith asking other actors, black, black actors and actresses, to boycott the Oscars. Uh, first of all, Miss Thing, um, does your man not have a mouth of his own with which to speak? <laughs> and the second thing is, girlfriend, there's a lot of going on in the world that you all don't seem to recognize. People are dying. Our boys are being shot left and right. Uh, people are hungry. People are starving. People are trying to pay bills. And you talk about some actors uh, in Oscars. And it, it just ain't that deep. 
And here's the other thing. For you to ask other actors and other blacktresses and black uh, actors to jeopardize their career and they are standing in a town that you know damn well, you don't do that. And here's the other thing, they don't care. They don't care. And I find it ironic that somebody who has made their living, made their living and made millions and millions of dollars um, from the very people that you're talking about boycotting just because you didn't get a nomination, just because you didn't win, that is not the way life works, baby. Okay? And it it's very suspect to me. Just because the world don't go the way you want it to go doesn't mean that you can go out and then you start asking people to stand up and sing, we shall overcome for you. Hmm. You ain't Barack and Michelle Obama. And y'all need to get over yourselves. <laughs> uh, by the way, also, uh, Barack and Michelle Obama also need to get over themselves. That's just a no, side point. No kidding. Wow. Um, but that's, uh, it's, I mean, <laughs> do you disagree with that? I mean, that's Not one word. I don't disagree with it at all. And that's uh, Idris Elba was, uh, went out of his way to praise the U.S. for its diverse opportunities, too, for the African-American and minority actors. Um, he was, he's talked about leaving... Uh, the United Kingdom to find work. His approval for the U.S. film and television industry uh, comes with, you know, everybody's all wound up, and, mm -hmm. you know, we just heard her hollering at Jada and uh, Spike Lee. And Idris, you know, he's been in, uh, he's got quite a list of work going for him now. And he's one of the guys um, that you think of when you think of a black actor that would be nominated for best actor. Like, I mean, he's one of the guys. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, he wasn't nominated here, but still seems to understand the opportunity is great. Well, yes, he said that uh, he had to, uh, where, let's see if we have the, actually one of his quotes that he had read yesterday. He was all wound up and he went, uh, uh, went on to tell the story starting, uh, he left the UK for the US in order to find more opportunities to thrive as a leading actor. Hmm. I knew I wasn't going to land a lead role. I knew there wasn't enough imagination in the industry for me to be seen as a lead. In other words, if I wanted to star in a British drama, like Luther, like he's doing now, then I, and those of you that have Netflix are able to watch the first two seasons of Luther, I think. Still. Any good? I, I love it. Yeah. yeah. That was good. Shocking. We've yeah. seen it. I've only seen the first two seasons. Then I'd have to go to a country like America. So the other thing was uh, I never saw myself on TV, so I stopped watching TV. Instead, I decided to go out and become TV. So he came, left the United Kingdom and came to the U.S. on purpose. Big thing. I can go, go there and get work. Stop your whining. Hmm. Really great. Yes. Uh, went on to say, I went to America because I was running out of parts. The USA has the most famous diversity policy of all, the American dream. Thank you. I want that British dream. That would be nice. Yes, it would uh, be. Also, the uh, boy, uh, director of Boys in the Hood has come out and uh, commented on this. First African-American ever nominated for Best Director told Variety that he didn't think much of the controversy because, you know what, there's just so many slots. <laughs> and that's the thing. There really is. What is it? Ten slots, basically, for Best Actor or Best Actress. And, uh, you know, African-Americans make up about 12% of the population. So, in theory, they should probably, I mean, if everything worked out to the exact percentages, you'd probably see about one African-American per year that would be nominated. Oh, wow. But, I mean, zero or two or would be typically pretty common. His other comment, every year people complain uh, that uh, the industry figures like Spike Lee and Jada Pickensmith boycotting the ceremony. People even complain even when we have a lot of nominations. Is it what it is? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. No. I've been in the game for 25 years. You never know. It's the luck of the draw for you. I'm not surprised. I'm not disappointed either. As much as other people are disappointed, there's a whole elevation of work that happens. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Just work.
I mean, that, create. Exactly. Create, create your work. Do some great stuff. You know what? If you don't get recognized by the Oscars, so what? Right? Yeah, in today's uh, world, so what? Big so what? deal. No one cares about them. I mean, the, the, money, the movies that make all the money don't get nominated for any Oscars. Yeah, um, there's been plenty of guys that haven't got an Oscar that have been keeping that city afloat for years. It's true. <laughs> I, you know, it really is. I mean, people bash Michael Bay all the time. Uh, here's a guy who comes out and makes, you know, every movie he makes makes $300 million. Uh, this latest one is doing pretty well. He sucks. But yeah, 13 Hours, which is the Benghazi story. By the way, if you haven't seen that, go see it. If no you kidding. like great war movies and you want to know a little bit more about uh, what actually happened in Benghazi, go see that movie. But again, he's bashed because, I mean, you know, does he care? Is it when he goes home and he looks at his bank account, it's got nine figures in it. Is he worried about an Oscar? I doubt it. No. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is a number. Come back in a second here. And he's created enough now, though. It's really nice. Is he's created enough now that you know his work. So, oh yeah, I mean, you can tell great. it's a yeah. style thing. You actually yeah. recognize it. I mean, it, it, everything from Michael Bay to Wes Anderson. You can. There's certain directors you can yeah. just you just see it. I mean, go out and create something. Yeah. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven Beck is the photo merch patent stew. Uh, over five million jobs will be lost by 2020 as a result of developments in genetics, artificial intelligence, robotics, and other technological change, according to the World Economic Forum. Uh, now, I can—I don't know if five million jobs are really going to go, but I can give you a job number one to start with. Good thing right this job can't be right done by a robot. I'll tell you what. Job number one, right there. You're looking at it. Man, a robot Take can't it. do this. A robot could definitely do a your robot job. Robot can't do this. I what? I mean, I think you could program a, a robot to say spoons and 18, which is essentially you, your whole job. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you could. Yeah, <laughs> good. It, you could so. uh, I always think these things are always overblown. They though. most definitely are. Although what they're talking about is, uh, you know, there's all, already, I mean, Amazon, you look at the Amazon warehouse, man. It's more, more, uh, more robots than people. Are running that thing. Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing company. I mean, it it is. really is, and it's it's. Uh, you know, I love it. I mean, I order everything basically from Amazon. Um, but but these warnings, these types of warnings, to me, typically don't wind up playing out because other changes happen. Yes. The, the world adjusts to it. You know, like it's like Barack Obama saying, "You know what really is screwing the economy is ATMs and kiosks." It's like, no, okay, stop it. No, they're not. I mean, ATMs and kiosks. Well, there's other jobs that spring up from that. First of all, and maybe not as many, but. Maybe what happens is instead of, um, you know, one, let's say, you know, 50th of the workforce uh, or one fortieth of the workforce going away like they predict, maybe instead people start working one fortieth less hours. You know, right. a, a lot of times that sort of change happens or we become a certain amount more productive and people are able to just you know, have more free time. I mean, we're certainly working a hell of a lot less than our grandparents did. Um, and I mean, especially you, Jeffy. I mean, uh, you... You almost don't. I mean, I wouldn't even say that you work a minute. I wouldn't say you actually actual a work? work. Yeah, like oh if, my god. Could you, as they, as we learn from the Bobs in Office Space, what would you say you do here? I do a lot of stuff. I do a lot of stuff. You, it's tough to explain everything that I do. Mm. It is tough to explain. It is tough to explain. Every once in a while, that's the right answer. Uh, you know what? It, you're right. It is tough to explain. Dan was telling us about one of the um, uh, 
uh, <laughs> uh, Trump bashers, and they were calling up. They were going, oh, I, I, it's so easy to defend Trump and take down these uh, people who are bashing Trump. Uh, it's not even an intellectual exercise. Well, that's for sure. It sure isn't an intellectual exercise. I will give you that. That is 100% uh, accurate. <laughs> None of that around it anywhere. Uh, and just like you, Jeffy, there's no work anywhere. Wait. So you were laughing, but in reality, I was talking about you. Uh, about 7 million jobs will be lost, 2 million gained as a result of technological change in 15 major developed and emerging economies. Uh, the future of jobs is the name of the report. Findings are taken from a survey of 15 economies covering 1.9 billion workers. Uh, to prevent a worst-case scenario, technological change accompanied by talent shortages, mass unemployment, and growing inequality, reskilling and upskilling of today's workers will be critical. Would you say that you've ever been upskilled or reskilled, Jeffy? Have you ever been skilled <laughs> in any way? Oh, this is Stu. <laughs> and again, Stew. we could obviously hire a robot to do that, right? <laughs> Like, do we need Jeffy to do what he just did? Oh, go on. Stu. Does this stuff worry you at all, Jeffy? I mean, when it comes to the economy, does it worry you that we're going to have robots running things? Is that, or is that just a typical, like, person, you know, it's like a, it's like a global warming report. They predict that it's going to warm on it with a, no, we're going to, uh, everyone's going to be underwater because they live by the coast. Well, they'll build, worse comes to worse. If you're right, they're going to build seawalls or something. Right. Or they're going to move. Right. And, you know, they, we've. They've been building robots now for a long time and saying that they're going to get better and better and they want to, you know, upgrade them. And most of the studies show that people are okay with letting robots into their lives uh, as long as they look like robots. Um, if they look, the more they look like regular people. <laughs> gets creepy. Yeah, it gets creepy. And, and they realize, and people start realizing they're okay with the robot being the robot. Uh, and not acting, you know, not sitting down like a human, not chuckling, you know, that kind of thing. They're okay because it looks like a robot. That's what it is. But when you try to pass off a robot as a human, and people instantly, they say, something's not right about that. Yeah. There's something not, why is, you know, the robot doesn't sit right. It doesn't slouch. Something, you know, something is just not right. It's not human. And they're getting closer and closer to making that happen. When that happens, then maybe we start getting worried. But until, if they're just, you know, if they're just re robots, you know, that are going to be right. here to, you know, I don't know what, clean what? the house, you know, do, oh my gosh. What? You won't need a wife. <laughs> well, there's certain advancements with you robots that are coming that Jeffy will utilize and then he will not need a wife. wife. And I don't, I don't think we should talk about those here today. Oh, those advancements, some of those are already here, Stu. We can talk about them if you'd like. I'd rather not. Um, <laughs> I think, though, you know, it's this, it's this thing of, like, you know, robots is shorthand for automation. People right. talk about, well, we want $15 minimum wage to go work at a, a McDonald's. Well, they're going to automate your gig. I mean, right. they, they, they're for, already doing it. They're already doing it. They're already doing um, that. So, I mean, the, auto, the automotive industry, we talked about, you know, we mentioned Amazon earlier. They're already doing it. Yeah. I mean, right. I, there's a deli I used to go to that um, uh, you'd go up and there'd be a person there and they would, you'd say, hey, I'd like, uh, you know, this sandwich and, you know, side of mac and cheese or whatever. And then that person would pass that, your order to the person behind them and that person would go make the sandwiches and hand them to you. Uh, that place, now, you walk in and there's a touch screen. And you go, do, 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 send. And then there was only one person, not two, one person behind the counter gets the thing from the little machine and it says, okay, here you go, and makes the sandwich themselves. Um, is that a positive uh, innovation? To me, it is. Uh, first of all, I don't like talking to people. Uh, second of all, <laughs> second of all, uh, you know you've got to touch that dirty screen. I know. I like that much more. I like touching a dirty screen much I'm talking more than I like talking to people. Yes. Really? Uh, this is, you know, I'm definitely different than you in that respect. Um, but, it, you know, 
those innovations are coming. And unless you sit here and, and figure out how to adapt to them and make your skill set. And to your argument, we will. Right? I, I mean, will. that's I what we, we do. I right? I mean, will. okay, so, all right, so the guy that took your order from the sandwich shop and gave it to the guy behind him to make the sandwich. Uh, he is now replaced by the little kiosk push button thing. Okay, well, what is he doing now? Is he fixing those machines, which would be back to the upskilling of that guy? Is he, uh, you know, is he working in the back, loading the meat into the freezer for the sandwiches instead of out front taking the order from the people? You know, we it, it evolves. It's just, I, I, I don't think it's... I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone's always scared of innovation. Every time... Uh, you know, someone comes along and says, well, we're going to automate something or where we can't change. They hate it. Well, I mean, you know, this is what unions do. They try to protect. I mean, we always say the word conservative and progressive are theoretically at odds with them. Some one side wants to conserve what we have. The other side wants to progress past what we have. <laughs> Yet unions are the ultimate conservatives in that they context. Sure they want to conserve what Grab they have. What they they want higher have. payments, That's even it. though the jobs can be done cheaper. They want to keep the same amount of people employed. Uh, even though you don't need that many people employed anymore because productivity has risen so high. Um, they always want that, and they're always they trying sure to conserve. Do. Like they're, It's like, you know, it's like taking an antique and maintaining it. You know, like we're not always going to drive Model Ts. We're not. We're, we're going to advance past it, and that's okay. Um, you know, and it's funny that the conservative side of the political argument is always the one saying, no, we don't need those people. Right. We don't need unions anymore. Here, well, let's move past we it. Okay. And you know what? If we have a great innovation that makes things cheaper, great. Great. That's why I don't understand the, the protectionist idea that Donald Trump, you know, um, among others, keeps huh. providing. Um, uh, yeah, brought it back there. Surprising. Uh, <laughs> but it's like that, that idea of saying that, like, well, look, we have to protect our jobs. We, we can't we have to worry about the uh, currency manipulation in China. It's like, well, if China wants to make their products cheaper so that we buy them with less of our money, is that a good idea for China? Do you think China, the people of China like that idea? If it's such a great idea, why don't we do it here? We right. don't do it here because it's stupid. I don't want to do it. <laughs> right. I don't want to make our uh, our, our uh, currency worth less so we can export more things. I want it to be, you know, a strong. I want the dollar to be strong. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a weird thing that we do because I think it's just all of those topics that we've discussed in this break is, are all versions of the same thing, which is uh, the dislike of change. It's yes. this. It's 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 a yeah, nobody. Want, everybody wants to hang on what they've already got. Yeah. And then we're not going to, this is mine. Yeah. I don't want it to be any hard. different. It's hard. I mean, I think it's happened a lot in the radio industry. Um, I mean, you, you've seen it over the years. Oh, my gosh. Where people, like, I don't want syndication. I don't want, you know, Glenn Beck's coming on our station. Well, you know, we were in a position where we were a local show at one point, too. But if you don't get to the point where you figure out a way to deal with the current environment, you're going to wind up getting swallowed up. Right. Um, and so, you know, look, so absolutely. Do innovations end up coming back to haunt you sometimes? Sure. But then, you know, obviously the market comes back and you start making saying well you know what we shouldn't have done it that way so we evolved back to doing it another way to make it a little bit better you know the radio syndication ruination of radio it really hasn't been the ruination of radio has it mm. no it hasn't in fact syndication saved a lot of radio stations that would probably be closed right yeah, now you're right you're right about that if they, people had to hire full-time employees in a lot of those stations they couldn't charge the advertising rates nope. they used to they would not have been able to employ people they probably would be gone um, and, you know, uh, look, it's, it's the, the media has changed. But look at, look at what Glenn's done. Glenn took a syndicated show and turned it into a place that employs 300 people.
You know, I mean, uh, you know, those, that, that opportunity wasn't uh, there before. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, you just kind of see that this is the way things change, and it's, it's best to uh, embrace the innovation and, and adapt to it. Uh, it's not always easy. It, is not, it doesn't give you that foundation that maybe you want, that, that certainty that, you know, oh, those good old days where you'd work for 50 years at the same company <laughs> and you'd retire and they'd pay yeah. you long after you stopped working with a pension. These days are gone. Here's a watch. It's okay. Get out. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah, there you go. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the phone number back with more. Of course, I'm ready to evolve. I'm ready to evolve. I want a new robot. Yeah, I know. What, what do you want to use it for? You know what? Let's go to a commercial, and then you can tell me. Oh, but I'm saying I want the new robot in my life. I know. I know what you want. Now, what they could do for me. Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the phone number. Quickly before we get to the important news about Taco Bell, uh, Ted Cruz is out uh, backing up his ethanol stance. I think that all of our subs energy subsidies need to be relooked at today and eliminated. We've got to follow the free market to dictate what's most efficient and economical for our nation's economy. What a flip flopper! So there you go. What a flip flopper! Oh my gosh! Oh, <laughs> act wait, hold on. That's uh, upset. That was not Ted Cruz today. That was uh, Sarah Palin in two thousand eleven. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not Ted Cruz who was flip-flopping. It was hmm. the other direction. Hmm. How could someone with that set of views have moved so far in such a short time? That hmm. is a question that needs to be answered. It really does, doesn't it? Hmm. By the way, Taco Bell will be uh, announcing a brand new wonderful product in their Super Bowl ad. Uh, now, I don't get to see the Super Bowl ads. Um, one of the reasons for that is because I'm actually at the game. So do you uh, record the it, stadium. though? What? Do you record it, so, I do you record it. so you can watch the commercials yeah. and pretend what? like you're watching the commercials but are actually looking for to see if you can see me? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe there's a glance to see if I can see myself. <laughs> um, no, uh, I always am uh, interested to, to yeah, yeah, go back and watch because there's plays, you know, when you're in the stadium, you, it looks different. You know, like, oh my gosh, did, yeah. wait, did he really drop that? And they don't show every replay, you know, you can't really tell. Uh, and the internet at the uh, Super Bowl, not so strong usually. Uh, you, usually there's, a, there's an issue with getting signal. That's, that's kind of strange, too, because they usually do a pretty good The NFL does a pretty good job of that in their stadiums. Well, about two years ago, they made a real priority change. They actually announced it, and they said, uh, look, we get it. We get you want to be on your phone. We get you want to upload pictures to Instagram. We get it. So we're going to start putting... Uh, you know, yeah. much better internet because there was there was a time that like I couldn't even text my you know you're at the freaking Super Bowl you want to text yeah. your friends and show pictures and and say hey you know uh, did you see that play a lot Wait. Of college games oh. are bad like that yeah. too though the, the, the stadiums of the college the guy that took care of that for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers gosh I can't remember his name now but I was trying to think of his name while we were talking about it the guy that started uh, doing that for the NFL and did it for uh, most of the NFL started with the Buccaneers and he was like a genius. Uh, at this, and it it really is um, it needs to be a big priority in every stadium in yeah. America. I'll tell you that. And they've done it for the Super Bowl now, where they they have made it a priority. So it's been better the last couple of years. But there was a time where, like, you know, there'd be an amazing play, and on you know when you're there, you can't tell exactly what right. has transpired. Was his knee down? Did he come out? The ball come out before he got to the ground? So I, I would be like 
texting frantically to my friends who are home watching the game, like, wait, what did that look like on the replay? And I can't even send the text. And that was, it was like that for a long time. Now, oh, man, I wish, please send me a text in the Super Bowl so I can reply, I don't know, stay home and watch it. Oh, oh, Please. oh, believe me, I'll be texting. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, you might, it might not be the, that exact. The problem, text, though, see, with a lot of the stadiums and the NFL is that you're talking about making it a priority is that they make it a priority for their sponsors. So if Verizon Wireless is a big NFL sponsor, there's Verizon Wireless towers uh, mm -hmm. built all around that stadium, mm -hmm. baby. Exactly. Verizon, Verizon Wireless can send a text yeah. all around the world right back at yourself mm -hmm. in about. Minus two seconds. I know. I, I have Verizon now, um, which I switched from AT&T when they decided they'd rather um, save uh, $80 than keep me as a customer. So went to uh, Verizon. Um, huh. And Verizon... They just, just hooked hook you right up like Yeah, that? it's so weird. Huh. Uh, Verizon has NFL Mobile, which has changed my life. I mean, because they have... Because I have Sunday <laughs> ticket as well to watch all the games because i got to watch the Eagles games. It really changed your uh, life. But NFL Mobile will give you the Thursday night games, the playoff games... The Monday night games, the Sunday night games, all throughout the season. So when I'm out and I, don't, I can't be in front of the TV for the other games, I get to watch it right on my Verizon, uh, which is great. By the way, Verizon Files now carries the Blaze, too. I mean, they're doing a lot of good things. It's kind of cool. Huh. Um, not a commercial. I'm just really excited about it. Anyway, um, Taco Bell, I'm also excited about this. They're going to be re um, releasing a cheese-engorged quesadilla. Well, that's the, that's the... Is that the just the... That's the rumor. That's the rumor because... Uh, Taco Bell, uh, we—they're uh, not admitting to it. They are—they're uh, they are not confirming or denying the speculation. Okay, we're excited for the big reveal that will take place during the Super Bowl. Mm. Here's the picture, though. Consumerist, I guess, or someone posted it to the consumers, um, but they're not—they're not revealing it. McDonald's is coming out with something. This is amazing. They are in only Japan, I guess. Is this true? What? They are announcing McChaco, which is a chocolate dipped. What well, I guess heck? it's more of a chocolate drizzled fry, as you see there. Still, though, come on now. Chocolate I, covered fries? Come on. I mean, because I've been, the chocolate covered potato chips, usually the issue with chocolate covered potato chips, in my personal opinion, is they don't have the ratio right. Correct. But there's, it's too chocolatey. It's like, you know, if there's not enough saltiness in, in that. It's like, it's just a, basically a piece of chocolate because the chip is too thin. That looks like the drizzle is an interesting uh, idea. It is, although I got to tell you, I mean, people been right. We've been going to Wendy's. Not, to, I'm not down. You know, I'm not bad mouthing McDonald's mm -hmm. here, but we've been going to Wendy's for a lot of years, dipping the fries into the frosties. When you say we, what you mean is you and Glenn. That's what you mean. Do people, anyone outside of you two, ever do that? You buy a frosty, which is a dessert, and dip your fries in the cold dessert. Well, no, I mean, no one else does that except you. That's my another theory. way to eat chocolate and French fries. At Wendy's? That's why you go there. I think that's, that's their top seller, shockingly. But now I won't oh. go to Wendy's. Triple eight seven twenty seven. Pat will maybe show up for work tomorrow. We'll see him then.